right, what's going on? It is a bonus edition of the On Fire Podcast brought to you by NBC7. I am Darnay Tripp. Pleasure as always being joined by Derek Tokerson. How does this fine Monday find you, Derek? It finds me with a new coaching staff and uh, a, a very ex- very exciting coaching staff. It is. Uh, exciting, diverse is, is one of the words that we came uh, across often um, when we had the chance to hear from Bob Melvin and AJ Preller about this new collection of coaches that the Padres have to uh, steer them into the 2021 season and hopefully on to, or 2022 season. Wow, I'm, I'm a little bit late in the game. Uh, and hopefully to bigger and better things. Hey, hey, believe me, if we could all redo 2021, we would. So, <laughs> so I'm with you there. Yeah, n- no arguments from anybody, I don't think. Uh, but it was nice. I mean, it's been it's been a while since, what was the date that Bob Melvin was high? That was end of October, I want to say. And here we are nearly two months later. And uh, of course, we've heard the names of Ruben Yebla, who's really the first, and Michael Berdar, uh, Matt Williams over the weekend. Um, but now the the whole gang is is official, and um, we got a chance to kind of get our first impressions, not of them directly because it, it was all kind of delivered by uh, AJ Preller but, and Bob Melvin, but to get their thoughts on, on this group of guys and um, kind of why they went the direction they did and why it kind of took the shape that it did, because... Um, Derek, I think initially uh, what jumps off the page is, you know, a, a mix of kind of old school, nude school, young and old, uh, some guys with kind of maybe a more contemporary approach and, and other guys that have been around and, and been around uh, Melvin a bit longer. Yeah, here, here's the thing that really jumped out to me. And let's go ahead and go ahead and give you the list. First off, they, uh, they hired Brian Price, former Reds manager, is going to be kind of a consultant type guy. Um, he's a guy with a wealth of baseball experience. Uh, on the actual staff, as you said, Matt Williams, third base coach. He was the manager of the year in 2014 with the Nationals. Um, I actually covered Matt in Arizona when he was playing for the Diamondbacks. And he's a dude who just, when he walks in the room, it, it you he commands respect because he's intense and he's got a resume and he like, he's a dude who gets guys on the straight and narrow kind of like a Bobby Dickerson type you know third base coach going to be coaching the infielders as well uh, of course Williams has a much grander resume as a player won the World Series in 01 with the Diamondbacks only player ever to hit a home run in the World Series with three different franchises which is pretty interesting the Giants and then the Indians and then the Diamondbacks so he's got a long history went to me went to five all-star games, won four gold gloves, freshly back from two years as a manager in Korea. Uh, he was on the staff as a third base coach with Melvin in uh, 18 and 19 up in Oakland. So he knows them, knows them very well. And we know about Ruben Niebla, the pitching coach, uh, bringing Ryan Christensen as the bench coach down. He's an interesting one. He's in his forties. Uh, he was a bench coach with Melvin up in Oakland. And a lot of folks up in Oakland thought that he was going to be the guy, if they were going to go with an internal candidate for the A's, he would be the guy to get the job. So uh, bringing him down is, is a nice get because he's a guy who's kind of been groomed to be a big league skipper. He actually has interviewed for major league jobs in the past. Uh, that actually leaves now probably former Padre Mark Kotze as the number one in-house candidate up in Oakland to take that job. Then you got uh, Michael Berdar as the hitting coach, 27 years old. We'll talk about him in a little bit. We'll let Bob Melvin talk about him in a bit. David Macias is your first base coach and outfielder, outfield instructor. He comes from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt University going to the college ranks to bring up a guy to be your first base coach and outfield instructor. Now, he was with the Cubs organization for a while, so he does have some big league experience. Uh, Francisco Cervelli is the catching coach. He's in his mid-30s. He was playing in 2020 for the Marlins. 
and he's been with the Braves organizations, or he's a guy who's always kind of been looked at as, you know, a catcher who was going to be a coach or a manager someday. Francisco Savelli is one of those guys. Um, so they round, rounded out the staff with him, and then Roberto Andrade as the bullpen catcher. This is a very interesting coaching staff because you said diversity. They have now guys on their staff in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. What you're talking about five different decades worth of guys on your coaching staff. That's that darn darn a has got to that's got to help you reach players no matter who they are or where they're from. Like somebody's going to get somebody on an emotional level in that clubhouse at all times, right? And you're absolutely right. And one of the things that um, came to mind when I was thinking about this group and just the the mix of youth that's in there and guys that you know are getting really the first opportunity, their first opportunity uh, of this type with Michael Berdar, um, you know, a, a basically a minor league uh, hitting coordinator with the Giants, now getting a chance to be a full-time hitting coach at the major league level. Ruben Niebla, who was, you know, assistant to the pitching coach uh, in Cleveland and now getting his opportunity to, to run the show. I was thinking, okay, Bob Melvin's really building his coaching tree here. You know, like there's a real opportunity for some of these guys um, to establish themselves in a way that um, they hadn't previously um, opportunities. They um, hadn't gotten in the past. And uh, now for, for Melvin to really see what these guys are all about, obviously they come here with a, a lot of uh, um with rave reviews, I mean, we're going to hear some of what he had to say about, about some of these dudes, but Melvin was just glowing about them. So they come very, very highly recommended. And now these guys have a great opportunity and, um, you know, without giving too much away, one kind of common theme that you hear with Berdar Cervelli is obviously the wealth of knowledge, how highly they're thought of, but also the way they, um, deliver the message, the way, uh, they coach these guys and relate to these guys. It's not just Michael Berdar being a, a math whiz, you know what I mean? And knowing the numbers, he knows how to communicate that in an effective manner. He's shown that ability. And it's a big reason why uh, Melvin felt comfortable. And he said, look, I never would have thought, I mean, if you told me that I'd hire a 27 year old pitching coach um, and, and he'll expand on this, it's not something he expected to do, but um, there's a reason why he felt comfortable given these guys who hadn't had the experience hadn't had a whole lot on their resume, the opportunity uh, to really establish themselves at the big league level in San Diego. Oh, that's a good jumping off point to let Bob Melvin kind of give us an overview of the staff and why he chose the guys he did. This is Bob Melvin from Monday meeting with the media after the announcement of the entire Padres coaching staff for 2022. Younger guys, veteran guys, new school mindset, maybe some more traditional old school. I think it's a great balance. We took our time. Um, we wanted to get it right. And at the end, I think we came up with some really good names and, and really good fits for the staff. So, um, I'm really excited and, and probably put more work into the staff, you know, for a month period than maybe in the past. So, um, there are guys, some holdovers that, that have the continuity and, and resources of knowing our guys. We have some new guys. Um, I, I just feel like it's a really good staff and we, I think we, we took a lot of time to put it together. And of course, I'd also remember that Ben Fritz is also sticking around. He's going to be the, uh, the bullpen coach. Um, Bob is 
one of those dudes who is very, um, man, for as mellow and, and in control emotionally as he is, um, and as much um, experience as he has, he is open to literally any idea. There are no bad ideas with Bob Melvin. You bring him anything and you flush it out and you go, maybe it turns into a bad idea, but he's not going to dismiss anything right off the bat. And with this coaching staff, man, he, he just got so many dudes who are hungry baseball people. It, it just feels like it feels like a great fit already. Yeah, and that kind of came across when we had our, you know, introductory press conference with Bob Melvin because he talked a lot about, you know, the analytics analytics came up and the way he's grown from that standpoint through the course of his career and also just the personality of the game and the way that he's adjusted um, and feels comfortable with with guys expressing themselves and um, doesn't just tolerate it as as part of the game like he um you know, he, he, embraces he almost it. He embraces it. Yeah, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He embraces it and uh, knows that it's important for the game. And so this is a guy that has evolved and his coaching staff is a really good example of that. And um, yeah, I think balance and balance and diversity. Those are the words that I think continue to come up. And I think what's interesting with with this group and the way it was kind of conveyed to us that I don't recall hearing with, um, you know, Andy Green's staff and, of course, Chase Tingler's staff. With Tingler's staff, you know, it felt like everybody, you know, they had this inexperienced manager and then they brought in guys with some cachet to kind of uh, run their specific part of the club. Bobby Dickerson was obviously the infield coach. And uh, Wayne Kirby, you know, his he was working with the outfield guys and base running. Uh, Damian Easley, obviously he's the hitting coach. And it seemed like everybody kind of stayed in their little corner of the the clubhouse from that standpoint. What you kept hearing in from AJ Preller and from Bob Melvin is how, you know, just because somebody has, for instance, Matt Williams, the, the third base title doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to be able to help out guys from a hitting perspective. And that's where the balance comes in. You've got a guy in Michael Burdar who we'll hear more about in a moment, um, who can obviously lend his expertise, but you also have a proven big league hitter, as you reference in Matt Williams, um, who can share some of his expertise. Uh, Ryan Christensen, like you mentioned, outfield and base running. Um, Flaherty, who uh, I didn't know this. Apparently the nickname is Flash. Did you know about that? I didn't know. I, the I found out today. Yeah. Uh, infield and he's, you know, obviously as kind of the, uh, the offensive coordinator, so to speak, uh, involved in hitting as well. Um, so there's just, it seems like more of a kind of collaborative effort. And to your point about different voices, you know, that allows these guys to find the right fit for them and the person that they jive with and the, the approach that they maybe feel more comfortable with rather than them having to kind of be, uh, forced to do it one way and listen to one specific voice. Yeah, it really does work out nicely. Um, and, and Bob Mellon talked about that very thing. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Berdar here, the 27-year-old hitting coach. He was uh, with the Giants organization, and you see how many of those Giants players really just outperformed what they should have been able to do. Some of the, their, their younger players have come in and, and done very well. Brandon Crawford and 
uh, Buster Posey and Brandon Belt all kind of found the fountain of youth this last year working with a guy like Berdar. Uh, so several questions, of course, lobbed at Bob Melvin about him and the new hitting coach. Uh, I'm just going to let him go off for about, about a, a, two minutes here talking about uh, why he interviewed him in the first place and why Bob Melvin thought that this would be the guy to come in. And at 27, he is eight years younger than eight Sorry, he is younger than eight position players currently on the Padres 40-man roster. So it's going to be interesting how he communicates. And communication, as you mentioned earlier, the absolute number one thing that Bob Melvin saw. And this is why he wanted to bring in this kid to be the hitting coach for the Padres. On the hitting end, uh, you need to be able to reach these guys and, and speak their language. And I knew 20 minutes into his interview that I had a pretty good sense I was going to hire him. He blew me away. And if you had told me three or four years ago I'd have a 27-year-old hitting coach, I probably, probably would have said no, but he, he is that good, that knowledgeable and, and understands, you know, not only the technology point and uh, part and, and how to prepare, but um, also sounds like he's, you know, when you talk to him, he, you know, he's so well studied and well knowledgeable of, of what he's trying to do. When you talk to a player about him, he's a any player in our team that he already had ideas about what he wanted to do yet understands he has to, to get to know the players um, before he tries to push too hard. So just a really, really smart, knowledgeable kid who speaks the language of what these younger, younger hitters do. Guys, he, he even starts in batting practice in the cage now with a lot of the technologies that you have, you know, guy hits a ball and he says, you know, I hit that one at 18 degrees at 102, I mean, you know, you're speaking exit velocities, launch angles, and, and that's that's what these guys are well-versed in. Um, I've learned it, so to speak, but have kind of had to move back towards that, a little bit more old school in my thoughts on hitting. Um, and I think there's a nice balance for that, too, with a guy like Matt Williams. You know, we just because we're a coach in a certain area doesn't mean that we can't help everybody out. And Matt, you look at his numbers, brings a little credibility on the on the offensive side, too. So um, we feel like we're, we're really well balanced there. And, uh, you know, and, and nowadays when, you know, you talk to a hitting coach about, you know, break this guy down for me. OK, well, hits too many goals on the ground, doesn't hit spin very well and then has answers to how we can improve upon that. I mean, you didn't hear as much of that. Uh, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, as you're hearing now, and a lot of teams are having success with it. It's all about, man, the Padres is supposed to be some like analytics quagmire. Like they had some information, but didn't have other information that other teams had and the information they had, they weren't really using or just employing properly. That seems like it's been addressed beyond anything we could have imagined with this coaching staff. Preller used the content word again. Remember, he he used that, I think, uh, after Tingler was fired. Um, I forget exactly when, but he but he dropped content at some point and fans kind of had fun with it because it's just fun, uh, like an interesting, interesting word uh, to use um, in this context. You know, like he runs like a media organization that's trying to make the transition from like print to like a digital outlet and like trying to create content, knowledge and understanding of content. But I think what he really means is like data, information, making use of that, um, how to apply it, how to understand it. And Berdar clearly, based on what we heard from Melvin, um, is well-versed in that. 
and knows how to convey it. And the other thing he mentioned is, you know, having, um, having a plan for different players and, but also knowing that you kind of have to like work into that, you know what I mean? Like take them out to dinner first, you know, before you can just flood them with this content and with um, the approach that you think that they should be taking. And so that, that mix seems to be um, really important. And again, you know, um, as you mentioned, learning from the giants, stealing a bit from the giants, from a division rival, um, these are all very valuable things and hopefully we'll kind of narrow the gap that we've seen between the Padres seen and heard about from between the Padres, between the Dodgers and some of these organizations that um, have seemingly been further ahead of the curve than the Padres have been from a content standpoint. Yeah. As you know, it doesn't matter how much information you have. If you don't apply it properly, it doesn't do you any good. In fact, it, it, it can do you harm. So if you can, you can get all the numbers, you can get all the tendencies, you know, like, like Brandon Staley on fourth down, you know, you can have all the numbers you want, but if you don't use them correctly, you're going to get beaten out by Andy Reid in overtime because your defense forgets how to tackle, <laughs> you know, that that's baseball is the same way. You can have all the information that you can possibly get your hands on, but if you don't know how to use it or you don't know how to apply it, or you don't know how to disseminate it to your team and the guys who are actually swinging the sticks, it doesn't do you a damn bit of good. No, no, not at all. Um, do you want to get to Niebla? I believe you have some Melvin sound on him. And he was, uh, again, kind of the first guy we heard about on the staff. And uh, there's been a few names like Berdar where, you know, initially we hear about them. There's not a ton of familiarity. Uh, but then um, once you start digging in, you realize, you know, this is a guy uh, – who, who seems to be an early riser, who seems to be, you know, have that trajectory as a guy that's going to have a lot of success. And, and the Padres, you know, have kind of gotten after him early, you know, and given him the opportunity that he hadn't gotten yet. You know, he, he you know, gets onto the staff um, for Cleveland, I believe the last two seasons. And, um, you know, now he gets that, that real full-time opportunity and Melvin just raved about him um, obviously. And, um, there's a lot of excitement now. And I think it, it started to build in the immediate aftermath of, you know, the first report that linked him to this opportunity as a guy that can, again, do what Melvin has done in other places and help this talented on paper pitching staff maximize its potential and, and maybe find the tweaks, whether it's a kind of a mechanics thing or, or pitch mix thing um, that allows them to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, that, that I thought Niebla was an interesting case because he's the only guy who was not hired by Melvin or a holdover from the Padres' former staff. He's the only one who's a, a, a quote-unquote outsider, a guy who's coming from another organization who Melvin didn't bring in before he was hired. Um, so you're wondering, you know, how, how is this going to go? Is it going to be in a resentment? Is it going to be okay? And if you listen to Bo Mel talk about it, which we are about to do, it, everything's going to be just fine. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, he's really like having a pitching manager. He just, he understands how to get these guys ready. He comes from a, from an organization that's always been pitching rich and pitching savvy. Um, I know Terry, Terry Francona really well, and he speaks very highly of him. Uh, again, during the interview process, Ruben was there. I got to speak to him. This was an easy one. His reputation also, uh, you know, came, came before and I knew about him and talking to him. I knew this was the right man for the job and speaking to, you know, the front office and the guys that, that 
you know, had already spoken to him. Uh, this, this was an easy hire. So uh, very well thought of around the game. And like I said, I have a close relationship with, with Tito and, and uh, you know, it was good enough for me. Hey, if it's good enough for Terry Francona, it's good enough for a lot of people. Well, and, you know, poaching a, uh, a member of their pitching staff and a guy that had been in an organization, organization for a long time and, um, you know, came across Mike Clevenger, uh, as he mentioned, a club that has produced top-notch starter after top-notch starter and also, you know, helped revitalize the career of a young Cal Quantrill. And then obviously what he did with Michael Bradar from the Giants, like if, if you, if you can pinpoint different organizations with an area of expertise that you might be lacking in, it's wise to, you know, bring on somebody from uh, that club and, and give them an opportunity they hadn't previously had and, and see how much that information you can glean and, and how it might be able to benefit your own organization. Yeah, go to people who you trust, who you know know the game, and pick their brain. And and it also helps, you know, if you know they have a friendship with them and you can trust them. Because um, some some folks who, as we've seen, be like, yeah, totally take this guy, absolutely, absolutely, that's the guy you want. Um, Terry Francona is not going to do that to a guy like Bob Melvin. So if a dude who's won a couple of World Series and is a friend of yours is giving a a, a thumbs up, you absolutely listen to that guy. Yeah. Um, the you know, the Niebla stuff was good. Berdar, I think, you know, a uh, big picture, like the, the, the takeaways from, you know, the, the conversation more reporters were able to have with Bob Melvin and AJ Prowler. I, you know, I think it's the balance and diversity. I think it's what he heard, what we heard about Michael Berdar. I think Francisco Cervelli too. I mean, that was another soundbite where, Melvin just raved about this guy and you touched on him a bit earlier. Um, but just uh, like Berdar, it seemed like once he got talking to him, he was just totally enthralled and uh, made it a, a pretty easy decision. Got a ton of feedback. He said, even when it was just rumored that Cervelli was going to be coming to the Padres, he heard from guys um, about his energy, how knowledgeable he is, how all in he is um leadership that he's shown and a guy again that he doesn't have your traditional coaching experience again he just wrapped up his big league career what in 2020 um he's he's young from that standpoint but again just has all those traits and an understanding of the job what it takes to excel at the position he won a world series in 2009 with the yankees and um I think he, Melvin, I, I wonder if he like kind of caught himself saying too much, you know, towards the end of the answer he's like, you know, and, and brings a lot to a position where I feel like we need, and he kind of just, just got out of it before I felt like he got out of it before he said too much, but you got the sense that he feels like, okay, we've got a decent crop of catchers, a bunch of guys that um, bring something to the table that you like but nobody that you feel like, okay, we, we can throw him out there every day and rely on, on him, whether it be from a health standpoint or performance standpoint. And it seems like somebody like Francisco Cervelli can be different things to different guys. And maybe for, um, for Nola, it's just kind of maximizing what, what he's got. We, we know how much catcher uh, pitchers love working with him. He gets rave reviews uh, from guys on the staff. Maybe a, 
young guy like, like Luis Campusano. Obviously, I mean, you could see how uh, his experience would be beneficial for for him um, as he tries to establish himself as a big leaguer. Um, but that was one of the standouts for me, just in terms of the guys that we don't necessarily know a whole lot about, whole lot about seems to be well thought of. Um, and you get a better idea why I haven't heard Bob Melvin just again, glowingly give a review about what he's going to bring to this club. He really was only a starter for, for one, two years. And, and that was in Pittsburgh, 2015. Uh, he got 130 games and hit 295. You know, like he's the, the yeah. dude, he knew what he was doing. He was a decent little two-way guy, um, but he's he's a guy who, as you said, he's always been that really cerebral. Understand how to catch a game. Understand how to handle a pitching staff. Under like just the the guy who you go to, almost like a, like a Dave Ross. You know, mm-hmm. he went directly from retirement right to managing the Cubs because he had that kind of relationship and had that kind of understanding of the game. Cervelli kind of strikes me as as that same kind of a dude. Um, and what's interesting is I've, I've been looking up here, and I, I think I found the right guy. Um, Herberto Andrade, I hope that's pronouncing his name right, Andrade, Andrade, the, the bullpen catcher. I believe that December 20th, the day we're recording this, is his birthday. And <laughs> if I found the right one, it's his 55th birthday. Huh. And he's going to be your bullpen catcher. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I... I Oh yeah, how your knees feeling, Uberto? I can't find anybody else who fits that description, but apparently Herberto is going to be a 55-year-old bullpen bullpen catchers will catch on any given night two, three hundred pitches out in the bullpen. You know, warming up the the starter, and then however many times you get a bullpen uh, a guy up, or yeah. like I that's that's amazing. I mean, that makes my back hurt just thinking about it. Oh, my knees are aching. It's like, it, I really, I'm going to, hopefully that's the right dude. And if so, he was with the Cubs organization in the late 80s. Did, from what I can tell, didn't make it to the big leagues, but it's been a bullpen catcher for Pittsburgh for, for the better part of, you know, two decades. And that's awesome. I believe Preller uh, referred to him as Herbie. So happy 55th birthday, Herbie, uh, if this is in fact you. and Yeah, no, that's his nickname. Yeah, we got that. That's, that's the dude. Have those have those ice bags ready. Herbie's going to need them. That's, inc- dude, that's incredible. Like, good dude, good on you. That makes me like, aspire to like want to go out and start catching again. Not me, just because being that crouch for roughly 15 seconds is enough to have mine screaming. That that's wow. That's crazy. He's going to be twice as old as the the hitting coach. Do you think he does the full crouch, or do you think he does kind of like on one knee, the other leg kind of split out? No, oh, the Tony Pena thing. Hell, dude, dude. At this point, if he sat on a bucket of balls and did it, I'd be <laughs> impressed. Uh, any other takeaways? I think one of uh, one of the uh, there was a there was a good question asked of Melvin towards the end, just about the overall philosophy and, and putting together this group of coaches and how it's changed through the years. And, um, you know, the, the reporter said, so not like the, you know, the old boys club. Um, and Mel was like, yeah, I didn't really want to say that, but that's, that's true where you, you get a staff, then all the same guys that you've worked with for decades, you hit them up and, and, you know, your staff looks roughly the same in 2022 as maybe it did in the early you know, mid two thousands, um, or even kind of more recently for, for Melvin's purposes. 
um, there is a lot of new blood as we've referenced and a lot of new perspectives. And again, it just kind of goes to your point of Melvin being adaptable and evolving and wanting new voices and new perspectives and, and understanding the value of that, especially this day and age where we are seeing just the game change from an informational standpoint and an attitude and approach standpoint as well. And, and again, the staff kind of embodies that. It does indeed. And this is, and again, whenever you, you, you get a new bunch of new coaches, we did the same thing when Jace Tingler hired his staff and when Andy Green hired his staff, oh, this dude has this kind of experience. And this is like, this is all going to be great. If you, if you kind of take off the, the fan hat for a second, which I've tried to do, and you just look at what this staff really is built out of, it's a gamble, but it's an exciting gamble because if it works out, it could be, uh, it could be, you know, symphonic. All right. Well, all right. So let's do that then. Cause I, I want to say we, I think we both uh, felt pretty good about the staff that Jace Tingler had and it was clear that they were surrounding him with experienced coaches. I want to say at one point you might've even th- uh, floated out there, you know, are these voices going to be too prominent? Are they going to drown him out? You know, are guys going to be looking at him like who's really in charge? Maybe this is like a revisionist thing in my mind, or maybe it, these are conversations we had this season. I can't keep them all straight at this point, but I do feel like you brought that up at some point in kind of the early conversations we had about the coaching staff. And sure enough, that ended up being the case where Bobby Dickerson was a bigger personality, a bigger presence in the clubhouse, more forceful. And Jay Stinger wasn't able to kind of manage that. Um, let's let's for the sake of the exercise, give me something you're worried about or, uh, predict something that could go terribly wrong with this Bob Melvin staff, just so we can get it on the record. If you look at the resume as everything looks solid, um, what we don't know is, um, okay, they got like David Macias, right? He's a dude who's coming from Vanderbilt. He's coming from the college game. Um, I mean, obviously they're not going to bring him in if they don't know exactly, if they don't think he's going to be something good, but you're going from your first base coach being Skip Schumacher, who everyone liked, everyone knew, had a big league pedigree, to your first base coach being a dude who was just in college. Well, Kirby was first base. You know, and after after uh, after Skip took, went over there um, yeah. as, as well, yeah. Um, but you, you're talking about guys, I mean, they got guy like Wayne Kirby as well. They have all kinds of, of big league experience. Is Manny Machado going to look over at him and be like, what, who, okay, really? Really, go back to your aluminum bats. You know, is, is he going to, those types of guys, are they going to be falling on deaf ears with somebody like a, like an Eric Cosmer or a Will Myers who've been doing things for so long that they've kind of got their system. They've got what, you know, what they want to do. Now, granted, it's not been as successful for them lately and they need someone to get through to them. Will those guys be willing to listen to someone like this? Trent Grisham, I'm sure will have no problem with it. You know, 25, sure. hey, dude, get in here, speak my language, let's go. Maybe some of the more established type players, um, that might be something that you're looking at as, okay, we all know that Bob Melvin's in charge, but you're also going to be dealing directly with some of these other guys and who are going to be instructing you. Will they be going, okay, wh- wh- where's your big league experience? What do you really know? That, that might be the only thing that I can see with some of these younger guys. But again, I think that's trumped by the fact that Bob Melvin has so much respect in this game that it's almost like what he said about Tito Francona. If it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. 
And I mm. think, I hope that's where most of the players will come down on some of the youth on this coaching staff. You said you spent some time around Matt Williams. How would you peg him kind of from a personality standpoint? Um, because, you know, with this collection of like young, energetic guys, he seems to stand out as, you know, the old school voice. And, and Melvin kind of mentioned he's kind of fallen back maybe to some of his old school approach because he has um, <clears throat> uh, invited these kind of younger, newer voices. He can kind of stick to his way of doing things, you know, uh, while acknowledging the importance of, of kind of the new wave. How, how would you peg Matt Williams? He, again, because he seems to kind of be that old school guy and how will he kind of fit into the matrix? Well, there's the balance, right? I mean, Matty Williams is a dude who, I watched him foul a ball off his foot in a spring training game and tried to keep playing and it was broken. So he's, I mean, you want to talk about a dude who is, who is tough as he wanted, he wanted to keep playing a spring training game with a broken foot. You know, um, he's, he's tough as nails. So that's a dude who, it's, it was always interesting talking to him because one day if you get him on a topic or a time that was just kind of cool, and I talked to him about his ice, his vision, his eyesight one time, because Paul Lassard, who was a trainer at the time, said he had gotten LASIK surgery, and I'm just kind of asking him, you know, just hanging out in the clubhouse. So what'd you, you know, what'd you like about it? How was it? Was he said, God, I wish I had Williams' vision. I wouldn't need it. I said, we talked about it. He's like, yeah, Matt Williams has like 27 vision. <laughs> like he has like fighter pilots, Ted Williams' vision. So I asked him about it and he just just opened up, just telling jokes about himself, could not have been more loquacious, you know, just so, so nice and outgoing. But if you get him after a game where maybe something didn't go right, man, if you asked anything that was a question that he didn't like, man, you had better have your suit of armor on. Because he, he, did, he will not like any kind of distractions in his clubhouse that are negative. So he's a guy who has no problem laying the lumber on people, but is the consummate, I want that dude on my team, and he will defend his teammates and his players to the core. While also, as we saw in Washington and how he kind of burned himself out, you know, 2014 National League Manager of the Year, 2015, don't make the playoffs and he's gone. I think he was burning himself pretty hot in that clubhouse. Now, that's also when you're the skipper. When you're one of the lieutenants, I think that kind of mentality and – and that kind of approach of personality goes a lot longer. Mm. So, but he's been, he's the dude who you're right. He's the old school guy who I think likes and understands the analytics, but also does that, man, throw that crap out the window. Just put the bat on the ball and run. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes it just comes down to, okay, I'm trying to fix my launch angle. Dude, just put the barrel of the bat on the ball, swing as hard as you can and run around the bases. Sometimes you have to have a guy who says, just, just go back to what got you here and just be a ball player, swing the damn bat hard and go. And that's yeah. Matt Williams. And maybe Matt Williams is the guy that ruffles some feathers and maybe. Oh, he'll rattle some cages. Oh, there's yeah. no, there's, but Skip Schumacher got his first ejection ever in his big league career this year. The, the, if, if, if Matt Williams erupts, oh, you're, you're, you're going to know it and it's going to be epic. You know, hopefully it's not uh, Bobby Dickerson versus Tommy Pham or Bobby Dickerson versus Fernando Tatis Jr. But, you know, maybe we see some uh, guys having to be separated or, or you know, sharing some, uh, exchanging some pleasantries in the dugout. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised if Matt Williams is is one of them. And again, just kind of dealing with a different age of ball player than Matt Williams was uh, for better or for worse. Um, you know, there, there could be, uh, there could be some friction there. 
but again, all under the watchful eye of Bob Melvin, which seems to be the big difference this time around, because as you mentioned, Williams being the lieutenant as opposed to the guy um, that is in charge and, and given his time working with Bob Melvin, I, I would assume that there's a, a loyalty there and a respect for Melvin's place and, you know, in turn, Williams place and what's appropriate for for him and, and what is expected of him in that position. Um, so I just hopefully having that kind of watchful eye, the presence of Bob Melvin will will keep everybody cool, you know, something that wasn't necessarily the case last year when things weren't going south. And hey, if they're winning and playing better, uh, you know, less likely that you have to worry about those things. Yeah, well, the bottom line is it worked out great in 2018 and 2019 in Oakland. Yeah. You know, there, 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 were, there were no issues there at all. And those two teams played extremely well. Well, it's been nice to have a little bit of Padres news. And this is kind of one of those weird aspects of the lockout. You know, the Bob Melvin can go to the holiday giveaways and they can talk about the coaching staff and all that stuff. Um, but uh, obviously nothing player related, but still nice. I mean, they they took their time with it. And, and Melvin talked about that. Like, clearly they wanted to get this right. It's something they took very seriously and um Look, I think they see the opportunity ahead of them with the talent that's on this roster, even though it underachieved last year, um, a chance to do something. And they want to make sure that uh, they surround them with the right collection of guys that can help bring out their best and equip them with the the knowledge, the information they need to be successful. And um, like you said, it all looks great now, but we'll get a better look in uh, hopefully the spring of uh, where all these guys fit and how they jive with the club and um Hopefully it leads to a uh, much more enjoyable 2022 season than what we enjoyed this past year. Yep. Now just get these guys, the the secret passcodes to the private zoom rooms. So all these guys can talk like we know what's happening and everything will be just fine. <laughs> we won't see clips of Ruben Niebla at the dirt mound field, whatever it is that Clevenger by the trailer is, is oh, thrown at. I think we're shooting that video. Darn it. Is Niebla. It was Ruben Niebla. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I see video of somebody behind the cage. Uh, who do you think shooting that video? It's Michael Berdar. That shadow looks a lot like Ruben Diablo's shadow. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening. Um, planning on being with you for our normal Thursday episode, but thought again um, in this kind of uh, dry time for baseball news. Good opportunity to check back in with you and, and share some thoughts on Bob Melvin's staff. Um, Always check in for more information on the Padres, anything else sports-related in San Diego, sports rap page, NBC7.com, sports rap 1135, football night after Sunday night football every Sunday. Thanks for listening. Catch up with you again soon.